0: It's not everybody's case that we have a godly mother, but a double blessing of a godly mother or a godly father that they have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles, we're going to be in, uh, if we were drinking it would be a two-finger sermon. You're going to need two fingers in your Bible or whatever. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, looking at verses 4 and 5. And then we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, looking at uh, verses 29 29 through uh, 31, I believe. And so, you know, obviously today is Mother's Day and it's great that a lot of people are honoring their mothers being here today. And uh, some people don't have their mothers, but they can remember the blessing or the impact they made. Uh, Whether they're godly or not, parents make a permanent impact on our lives. Something I want you to remember, we don't have much details right now, but the Walker family, Jerry Walker and Jean that are part of our, our church, his mother died two days ago, and we don't know any details on the funeral right now, but uh, remember them in prayer, especially at this time, and so uh, remember that. Um, today, we're, um, we're going to be looking again, like I said, in Deuteronomy. This is one of my favorite passages because I believe this is the core of what we need to be doing in evangelism is that we start with the family, and then we go to the familiar, and then we go to the foreign. And God created the family first before he created the church, and God created both of them. But we've kind of been hitting the wrong thing, that the family should be the evangelism center. It's awesome. We as a church should build up families in order for them to lead their children to Christ and help them grow in Christ. We should encourage and equip them. And so we're going to see this really here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and that may be a sermon for another time, but we're going to be talking about being wholehearted, going for it complete that means to be completely sincere, devoted, determined, committed, free from all uh, all reserve, wholehearted. Seems like kids are more like that. Little kids they're just going to go for it and not think twice. But the older we get, the more we think about life insurance, health insurance, and how much we're going to recover from that. You know. But I kind of think of a godly mother or a good mother. You know how they're committed and wholehearted in what they do for their their husbands and for their children. I'm a late bloomer on toast and butter. I want you to think about this for a minute. My wife was telling somebody the other day, he doesn't put butter on anything because I thought it was a waste of time. And butter's great, man. I'm in, I've talked to a lot of you, I'm into the Pioneer Woman, and that's one of her, her base things is butter and everything. Butter makes everything better. But, you know, forever, I like toast, and I don't, and when whoever messes with the toaster dial and makes it too white, that's not toast. I don't want it burnt, I want it brown, and then I want the butter on there, and I want to soak in the whole bit of it on both sides and be just right. Now, have I achieved that? No. And why am I a late bloomer? Because I had a mother that had four kids, and she'd get up every day and butter that toast and make it right. I know Mother, but you know, it was just the fact of she was committed to that simple thing. Because let's get real: if you're going to butter and not cheat on putting the knife into the margarine or the butter again, getting the crumbs on there—which come on, it's not going to kill you—you you know, um, you know—that's going to take a lot of time. Just those little things. Some of you can remember the little things that your mom did or your grandmother did. And again, not everybody—I'm not going to assume that everybody here had a great mother—but I want you to understand what god has established the power of the family and what i want us to understand in our society today the government was never designed to raise our children i want to be clear about that do you realize that if the churches in america i don't i'm going to get the stats wrong but if each church in america like adopted three foster kids there would be no foster system i want you to think about that for a minute and that stack is probably a little off, but, I mean, that's what I remember. And the foster kids are the adoptive kids of our age. And the influence of when you don't have something, if society says, well, even if they have parents, well, we'll tell you, we know better than you. No, you don't. God does. And God created a father, and God created a mother, and... To be a good father, to be a good mother, it's going to take God because he created it. And we're sinful. And so many times, you know, we talk about being completely, sincerely devoted, determined, and committed, and free from all resolve and just to go for it. It even gets more committed. Uh, it, it gets, we struggle in society to see real wholehearted commitment. Oh, it's too tough. I'm going to quit. Some of you are old enough that you may have tried that when you first got married and your parents told you to go back home and work it out. But now, and I'm not trying to pick on any younger generation because we've all been a part of it, got this snowflake thing that the littlest thing, we all fall apart. And so it's really, we struggle to find wholehearted committed, commitment in our society. And, you know, I'd be really curious to understand what society uh, views as somebody that's committed. And we can either choose to be half-hearted in our commitment or wholeheartedly committed to God. And your action step today is be wholeheartedly committed to God. There's really no other way. And I couldn't make the word work, and I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to give you the four L's, the four L's of being wholehearted. And they all end with wholehearted, so you could abbreviate if you don't want to spell that out, okay, or whatever. I'm just trying to help you out today, okay? But, again, I want us to look at this definition. Completely and sincerely devoted, determined to something. We're going to look at that. And so, we've got to always understand where we're at. And when people don't understand this, they wonder, well, why are we struggling with this? Well, first of all, God created us for a wholehearted relationship with Him. And He gave us free will. And man chose to sin, Adam and Eve, and so that caused a curse where we deal with, ladies, the pain of childbirth, uh, men, the the toil of the soil, and all these things, life is a lot harder. And in the middle of that curse and then death and separation from God, the relationship that we were created for, he is sending Jesus. And he starts with Abraham saying, I'm going to create a nation, and through this nation it's going to become a Messiah, a Savior, that will get us back to this commitment. And so now, what we see in Deuteronomy is we see Israel, again, 430, uh, God's developed the nation. They're 400 plus years in slavery. And then we talked about last week, they're wandering around the wilderness for 40 years because, somebody, because people decided not to be wholeheartedly committed to God and to trust Him when He said to go in. Now they're going in. And God's given them some instructions. And so remembering the the key to being wholehearted is is being committed. And so remembering to keep the main thing the main thing is what we need to understand. And what I'm going to give you today is what is the main thing in life? Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 and 5 say that. Jesus reiterates it in Mark 12 verses 29 through 31. What is the main thing? Everybody's searching what is life about and we're going to look at that. Remembering the main thing has to do with understanding what God really wants. What does God want from us? Well, if we look at scripture, we see in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. And what we're going to see here, especially in Mark, Mark 12 is a summary of the Ten Commandments. Two things that we're called to do. And so God wants our obedience. We see through David, God wants our praise. We see through Mike uh, 6, 8, no people, the Lord has told you what to do and this is what you require require to love mercy, to walk humbly with with your God. God wants us to live right. God wants us to love mercy. God wants us to be gracious. God wants us to be compassionate. God wants us to be caring. God wants us to walk humbly. Those of you that have had a godly mother or grandmother, you see this. And I will guarantee you the only way they were that way is because of God. Because I can't do any of this stuff. I find the older I get, the more I struggle with it. I'm not into road rage yet, but I've got to get off the comments when I'm by myself when somebody does something stupid, okay? But that's not right, and I say to myself, God, I don't want to be like that. I need God every day. We need God every day to, to give him what he wants, a lot of stuff, but what's at the, what is the core of obedience and praise, dealing with people with justice and kindness and humility? What does God really desire? I think you all want to know that. I think most of you do know that, but we're going to be reminded of that just like a godly mother, what she desires for her children, God desires for us. God really desires our whole heart, our our all, to be wholly committed to him like a godly mother mother is committed to her children. God desires all all of us. He desires our thoughts. He desires our motives. He desires our words. He desires our actions everything and for some of you that's scary because if you're like me coming from a big family if you got anything that was just yours you hit it and boy when we had anything good to eat which my mom was a good cook but we're talking sweet I've got a ferocious sweet tooth you either ate it then or you didn't get it so this is where this all comes from stop looking at me okay but (laughs) but God wants it all I love I love these only children or these children where they're spaced out. I'm trying to pick on my, my wife, but she's more naturally giving than me because her and her brother are spread out by seven years, so it's basically like raising two children. Oh, that's okay. They can have it. I'm like, back off. I've got a butter knife, and I'm ready to use it because I'm not going to butter with it, but I may get you with it. You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, that, it, that wholehearted commitment, God wants it all, and that makes it hard because we're selfish, and we want a little corner. We want this is mine. And we can see and understand this call to be wholeheartedly committed. And we're going to see it in this focal passage. And this was the Shema. And this is what God gave him. And the Jewish people that were helping us to see the Messiah and to see God would recite this two times a day. And so Jesus knew it and everybody he was talking to knew it. And it was a confession of faith. And it was an action of being wholeheartedly committed to God. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Muslims today, those that God is working with, sometimes struggle with the Trinity because they think we're worshiping three gods, and we're not. And I know you do not find the word Trinity in the Bible, but you find the Trinity in the Bible. In Genesis, the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. Who do you think was walking with Adam and Eve in the garden? Jesus. And then God the Father. I want you to understand, I'm Russell, but I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, but I'm Russell. Water it can be vapor, it can be solid, it can be liquid, but it's just water. We do not serve three gods, but we have three aspects of God. This is why, especially us Baptists, we get scared of the Holy Spirit, you know. The Holy Spirit's fully God. And at work. So notice this here. We not understand. We don't worship several gods. We don't worship several things. We worship one God, the one true God. The first so your first filling, your first L, get ready, ready. It's always going to end with wholeheartedly or something like that. Look it up. You need to spell it. It is one word. Okay? The first step to being whole wholly committed to God is to listen to God wholeheartedly. Hear. Faith comes from hearing, Romans says, and hearing, guess what? The word of God. And how can they hear the word of God? Christians, if you don't go tell them. We've got to hear God. We've got to choose to hear God. We've got to listen to Him wholeheartedly. And some of us husbands may have selective hearing, not necessarily hard hearing. And sometimes we need to really listen. And we've got to be really careful to, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, you've got to add some more lines in there and in between so they... Know you're listening. I was going to say, think you're listening. Okay. <laughs> I said that out loud. Okay, but, but we need to listen intently. And we talk about this. And I, I, You know, obviously I counsel a lot of people, but I struggle with this too. We're always thinking of the next thing we're going to say. And if you really focus on prayer, and it's going to scare you, if you start doing listening prayers, when the first time I got expe- exposed to listening prayers where you just... Pray and say, God, speak. You've got to be really careful. God's never going to go against his word. But at first, like, really? And then God spoke in this audible voice to me. No, he didn't. Okay, if he does, if he wants to, that's fine. I believe he can. but, But when we know God's word and we say, God, speak, and we hold to God's word, it was interesting how I began to write down what God was saying to me, what God was impressing upon my heart. We need to listen, but before we do that, you need to listen to his word wholeheartedly. You need to know his word. They were repeating this two times a day, and it was their confession of faith. We need to listen only to God, the one true God, the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. And we do this by hearing and obeying the commands of God. Look at verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall. It's not an opinion. It's not a suggestion. It was a command. And if you're a believer in Christ, this is where you're at. And now, I want you to understand. Let's, let's get really clear here. I'm going to make you love me, God says, and you're going to love me, and that's a command. How's that gone as a parent or when a parent... Oh, I love you. Now get over here so I can spank you. I'll let you... Anyway, I won't get into that. Okay, all right. But, all right. But here's the deal. We need to understand this. I have somebody I really care about on facebook and obviously something's happened in their life where they don't like god and there were some people doing some really good counseling with them i i just didn't feel i could speak at that time to them but they were talking about well don't tell me god loves me and all this kind of stuff because of the things that have happened in their lives and that's where a lot of people are guys i want you to understand this i understand we're in a fallen world i understand we're suffering but what did god do he suffered for us he he knows loss he gave his son for us and that's love that's more love than I can give my children, that's more love than I can give you all and that's why if God's loved you he says we we love you because He we love him because he first loved us so why wouldn't he say look I've loved you and you're in a relationship with me, you're going to love me first Love, human love for God. We can only love God because he loved us first. And it's this agape, sacrificial love that God gave his life for us. Just how we learn to love or, uh, or not through the abundance or lack of love of a godly parent. Uh, regardless, uh, regardless, we learn how to love from Christ's sacrificial love. See, that's what's awesome about it. Yes, it does make it harder for people to understand love when they've had really bad experiences growing up and i find whatever somebody has lacked they they look for the opposite and it's usually bad the song looking for love in all the wrong places you can continue that in your mind if you want but uh, but here's the deal there's a point where we have to realize i don't know love i don't know love without god and this is what god has done for me and if you look at all the other religions, and I don't believe Christianity is a religion, I think it's a relationship. If you look at all the other religions, look at the amount of love. Look at the amount of forgiveness. It's all about doing this to this to achieve this. And we can't do anything. So we learn how to love from Christ's sacrificial love from his example when we listen to God calling it, when we listen to God calling us uh, with his love. Your next fill-in, when we accept God's love for us, His Son to save, save us, that we begin to love God wholeheartedly. I can't love anybody without the love of God in me. And in my prayer life, I've got this little prayer book, and it's talking about being kind to those that aren't kind. I don't like that. That's not easy. Well, what did God do for me? What did God do for you? How many times has a godly mother or a godly parent been kind when we've been mean to them? It's your kindness that leads to repentance. And we need to love God wholeheartedly. We need to love him with our heart at our core. And you're going to see all these words that are described here. This is talking about the center of who you really are when nobody's around. These words all intertwine that they're going to share here. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he adds some more. Talking about the same thing. But here we see in Deuteronomy, heart, soul, strength. He adds mind in there. So let's go over, take your other finger, your electronicals, whatever that is, and go to Matthew, uh, not Matthew, Mark 12. We're going to look at verses 29 31. I want you to understand how God is complete. He initiates this in the Old Testament and Christ completes it in the New Testament. And so we're in Mark 12 29 31 now to give you a little background here guess what they were trying to trip jesus up and they were asking him all these hard questions the scribes were questioning him they were trying to trap him they asked god what does uh they asked the question what does god really want what is the most important commandment let's look here we're going to start at verse 28 and matthew uh, matthew mark 12 And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And this is the question we're talking about today. God, what do you really want? Everybody wants to please God. Everybody wants to know God's will. But the problem is basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible, his love letter to us, you can know more what God wants if you get into his word and learn his word and memorize his word. The problem is you don't want to obey it. Me included, sometimes. So they're asking what society's asking. What does God really want? What does God desire? 29, Jesus answered. The most important, boy, we were in Deuteronomy just a minute. Did we not hear this? Hear, o Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Listen to God wholeheartedly. Know that he is one God, the one true God, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second, oh, Jesus is changing it up. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices." And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I need to chew on this. I quote this almost every week, or, you know, not because I'm just got, you know, a small thing here, but if it's because it's the core of what we need to be doing. Mark. 12, 13, and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is just as important as this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why did I learn that? Because that's the base of what we're doing here. And then, I'm, you know, Romans 13 O Owe no one anything except a debt of love. For the one who uh, does this. I'm abbreviating here because I've got to go over it. Fulfills the law. Love. Kindness again Christ shows up and he changes everything he makes all things new and and Christ doesn't just quote the Shema that we should listen to God and love God wholeheartedly but now fulfill fulfill all of the law through loving one another wholeheartedly love God love others that's what we're called to be or wholeheartedly committed and um go back to it okay let's get that again because i know you guys i know what's going to happen you're going to gripe if you're not sure so <laughs> we need to love others wholeheartedly our next point let's look at those see here's what bothers me and i'm so sick of those facebook posts if you got a million dollars to be uh be live a month in a cabin by yourself without cable and all well my goodness that's where i've been without internet so thank you Thank you, Dan Swadley. Every time I say I got internet, I have to thank Dan because he made it possible, okay? But, you know, that's her whole life. But if you could be alone with God on a mountain, being alone with God's easy. People are messy. Oh, I'm, I, I do really good on being nice and praying for people till somebody gets in my face. Or something doesn't go that I can't control Oh, man, this one's a hard one, guys. Love others wholeheartedly. There's some people, I love them, but I don't like them. I love them, but I'm upset with them. I'm not sending my anger, but I don't like what they're doing, and it makes me mad. This one's hard. And I want to give you a little side note. You need to go back to the parable of the, of the talents, or no, the debtor. And whenever you're trying to think of, well, they did this to me, your debt to God is so much more that he forgave, and yet they owe you 20 bucks, uh, not maybe physically, and we're just sticking on that. We need to continue to look at what God has forgiven us from. It's It's easy to love a perfect God. Think about that. And it's hard for imperfect, sinful people to love imperfect, sinful people without the love of a loving God. Notice how Christ adds to the Shema. We can love others because Christ loved us and we love God. And he continued to add and change and make new by getting, a, getting more detailed on how to completely, hardly being committed to God. Uh, I'm looking at Mark uh, twelve thirty says this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Verses Deuteronomy 6, 5. Heart, soul, might. Oh, he added to it? Well, he can. He's God. He wrote both of them. Think about that. And this isn't deviating from the Shema, it's, it, it's just giving it more detailed for us here. More complete in describing our all, how to be wholly complete, committed. Heart, the center of our body, the core of life. You know, you don't have a heart, you're not living. Think about that for a minute. All the blood, all the life, that's the central thing. That's the core. And soul, breath, spirit, essence. Even those that don't know Christ and science and those in medical acknowledge that there's something extra there. It's our soul, it's our essence, our being. It is our eternal. I'm not floating around most, uh, without a body in that sense, but we're talking about how this is why we're gonna, you're going to live forever somewhere. Because you're the only thing in God's creation that has a soul. Genesis 127, made in the image of God. The core of your life, the core of who you are, soul and heart. verse I had to learn in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God and putting every thought into obedience to Christ. Every sin that you've done or or, or, come, uh, or going to do starts with a thought and so uh, jesus said if you hate somebody in your heart you've already murdered them let's talk about lust let's talk about greed let's talk about anything else and that verse i just quoted to you second corinthians 10 5 helped me a lot because satan's always lying to you and if you are in god's word and know his truth and you know that it's a lie and that thought comes into your head you need to let christ be at the gate of your mind and say, Christ, is that true? And if His Word says no, you don't entertain it, and you go on. Christ, should I do this? If His Word says yes, go for it. If it says no, drop it. Your whole mind needs to be meditating, as we talked about cows and burping last week, chewing, meditating on God's Word, biblical worldview. But so many times... I am no special, I'm not any more special than anyone else. I am nothing. There are way better ministers than me, I know that. But what is scaring me is what I keep hearing more and more, how people are presenting, I can't even say presenting the word, they're presenting some kind of message without the word. Biblical worldview says this, how I see the world is through that Bible you're holding, Period. That is complete on being completely committed. God, my thoughts are going to be driven by what you think. And we do this through, with all our strength. And guys, in my strength, I can do nothing. But Philippians 4.3 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Philippians 2.13, for God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. You give it all your strength, you give them all your mind, you give them all your soul, and you give them all your heart. In your next cell, being wholly committed means to live wholeheartedly. Heart, mind, soul, strength, all committed to love God, to love others. Committed like a godly mother that would butter toast every day of the week. That's just who wants to do that (laughs) that's a lot of effort and it's not like we only ate one slice we probably ate six slices each okay that you start doing the math okay all right whatever that's just uh, getting up early and doing that my grandmother my goodness they, they they dairy farmed and boy we had a full breakfast every morning okay that's a lot of commitment And we need to be wholly committed to our family, but that starts with Christ. And the only way we can be committed to anything is if we make a commitment to God. Now, I'm not going to be dumb here. Most of you have done that. But day by day, we struggle with Satan whispering in our ear, wanting us to go here, wanting us to go there. No. You need to be like a child, put your fingers in your ears, and only listen to God. You need to make that commitment. Because in the world we're dealing with right now, as I shared the statistic last week, they're seeing a false gospel. And then in our actions, not perfection, what are they seeing as far as commitment? This is good that you're here. We know what the word says. Do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together even more as you see the day approaching. Guess what? It's approaching rapidly. Disasters, COVID. Pastor, it's going to get better. No, it's not. This is a a clock that is winding down. Just like someone who physically is dying, our bodies wind down. This is winding down. It doesn't mean that we can't have revivals, but guess what? You have a, a world of lost people that are like, what do I do? Chicken Little, the sky is falling, and guess what it is? But you have the words of life, and you have the words of death, And you're not being wholly committed to it. And I'm not trying to judge anyway. I'm I'm just saying we all need to realize, like what I said last week, it's time to go for it. So why I realize that a lot of you have made a commitment to Christ from 1 to 10, you need to ask the question to yourself today, this week, how committed am I to God? Am I half-hearted in some areas? How well am I listening to God? Because God tells me some stuff I don't like. God, do I really have to do that? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. But I'll do it. You know why? Because he knows better. How well are you listening to God? How well are you loving God? Oh, I'm doing great, Pastor. I'm hearing him. I got man on high, but these people are driving me nuts. Let's get real here. My prayer thing this week it's all about kindness, I wish we go on a different subject. Because it's saying you need to do an act of kindness to somebody that you don't like. That's your pastor. So let's get real. How well are you loving others? Because God loved us when we were junk. We weren't junk to him, we were redeemable. How well are you loving others? (laughs) <laughs> scale 1 to 10, 10 being the best, okay? All right? Romans 13, it's all we owe people is love. And so how well are you living all this with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength? We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to have a time of 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 invitation. And you can come and talk to me or talk to me afterwards. But the question is, how, are, how well are you completely loving God? And how are you choosing to love God? Because if you're trying to do it yourself, you can only be nice for so long and then it just gets mean. Or you can keep it together. That, that, that's my problem. I can keep it together, but then I get bitter on the other side where nobody sees that is so sinful and that is so wrong. Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to talk to someone. But he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come and lay down whatever you're trying to do and take up your cross and follow him and go being completely, wholeheartedly committed to him. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. However we need to be obedient, wherever we're being half-hearted, may we lay it down and just go for it in Christ. Because you say, God, there's a great cloud of witnesses that have gone on that are cheering us on and saying, don't get stuck down with that weight. Don't get down on this, but go for it. Lay aside every sin and weight that so easily besets us and look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Lord, give us strength to, to endure because we see you setting down in victory. However we need to be to be totally, completely committed to you. May we lay it down today and take up our cross in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of salvation. In your name, Jesus.